0: that biologically when we are feeding our babies our brains change one of the things that we see that changes is our sleep cycles so when you are nursing your baby and you are sleeping in very close proximity you will hit light sleep together and you will hit deep sleep together you'll light sleep together and deep sleep your together. your sleep will cycle cycles sync together what yes. so this makes a lot of sense right okay so now when baby is going into light sleep and is looking for connection is looking to eat is what looking to be reassured Mom is also in light sleep. So baby goes, eh, eh. and mom goes, oh hi. And here here's them. Here, let me nurse you. And then they nurse in light sleep. And then they both deep drop into deep sleep. Now we have mom and baby both in deep sleep, not moving, safe. And then they roll into light sleep together and baby goes, eh, eh, eh. and mom goes, oh, hi. And they sink. And now when a mom can feed her baby like that through the night and they sink, a mom will wake up and go, you know, I, I feel okay. I don't feel yep. too bad like yeah yep. i woke up i nursed my baby multiple yep. times but like i could but i don't know how it. many times
1: don't know how many times not Couldn't sure you. hey guys my name is shayla welcome to the hey shayla podcast i went from full-time travel to full-time new covid mom and holy wow is motherhood and adulting a learning curve there are so many decisions we need to make and a million ways to do it right I created this podcast to interview some of my gurus to share their knowledge and empower you on your journey. Let me be your guinea pig and ask the questions we think everyone else knows. Here, we're a little hippie. We try to do things as naturally as possible and we don't take ourselves too seriously. But above all, we support one another and work to find what works. If you're into it, you're our people. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the Hey Shayla podcast. Today I have Natalie Johnson on and I'm you, what is this? Your fourth time on here? <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah, I love I it. So. <laughs> and people, refer- I reference your previous podcasts, which are oh gosh, I'm not gonna. even, We talked about extended breastfeeding. We talked about like the the typical problems that come up with breastfeeding. My most like when I tell people to go listen is the typical problem or what no one tells you about getting your supply. That one has pure gold in it. Now today we're gonna pivot a bit. You yep. were my, not just co-sleeping, but bed sharing guru. You walked me through it with Aaliyah and we're still doing it to this day, two <laughs> and a half years later with our our second daughter. Yeah. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. So I want you to kind of introduce yourself, tell us why you can talk about co-sleeping and why you have all this information. And then we're going to dive into all the goodies.
0: Oh, I'm so excited. Okay. I am Natalie Johnson. I am a mom of four children, which blows my mind. (laughs) My daughter, my oldest is 10 and a half and my littlest just turned one. So we've got a a good span there. Um, I have a background as a nurse. My degree is in nursing, a labor and delivery nurse. I'm a lactation consultant. Prior to my labor and delivery degree, I had a degree in Child development. So, I went to school for child development, understanding the neuro parts of children and how they develop, and attachment and bonding, and all these things, and then moved into that. nursing. Yes, it's so great. So, I've got those two degrees yeah. nursing, and mother baby stuff, and then attachment, breastfeeding, lactation consulting. And so, a lot of what I feel like, um, a lot of the conversation we're going to have today, I feel like it's just a change in perspective, and it's, it's literally talking about what I think of as like the obvious, like this is common sense and obvious, but I do have some actual background in understanding babies and children and the breastfeeding relationship and have
1: co-slept with my
0: children. So I have personal experience too.
1: Right. So I'm going to start with uh, your Instagram handle is standing underscore so underscore tall. Wow. Standing so tall with (laughs) underscores in between each word. And (laughs) it literally says, I'm the holistic breastfeeding, co sleeping, baby weaning, wearing mom you were warned about, which I think is hilarious. But (laughs) going off of what you just said, you think it's just so obvious. And I think that that is such a challenge because (laughs) here in the US, it's not so obvious. It's not so obvious.
0: (laughs) So talk about that a little bit. Okay. So I would like to to first challenge all of you listeners who are tuning into this to just allow yourself like some openness with your mind, because what we, we sometimes forget is when we are talking about parenting. And I believe that sleeping and how you choose to sleep with your baby is a parenting decision. I don't believe it's the same as saying like babies need to eat and like, yes, babies need to eat or like you should put your baby in a car seat because that's safe. Okay. That's a safety thing, but sleeping, how you choose to sleep as a family is a parenting decision. And that's going to look really different based on your sleep needs, based on your home, based on your working situation, all of the things, right? So this is nuanced. And what we're going to talk about today is going to look, this is going to look different for every single person, which is why I don't think you can pick up one book and say like, this is what works for everyone, right? Because this is nuanced and it's different. But what I want to challenge you all to do is to change your perspective of sleep. What we think of sleep right now is very, very culturally driven. Like in the United States, we typically value independence. We value, I do it myself. Mm. I can do it myself and you do it yourself. And independence is a big value of ours that is not true around the world. That is not true in other countries, right? That is a cultural expectation here. We also have this cultural expectation that you would have a home and your children would have their own room. And that getting them to sleep in their own room is a thing that you're going to do because you have a three bedroom house and you have your 2.5 children or whatever our cultural and expectation And your nursery. Is. And your nursery that you spend a lot of time, energy, and effort making <laughs> beautiful for your yep. baby. And we have to realize that that is cultural expectation. It's not a biological thing. We don't put babies in nurseries because it's biologically appropriate. It's a cultural expectation. So if we can start to look at sleep and be able to to decipher, is this a cultural thing or is this a biological thing? We can get a much clearer picture of like what we should expect from our children and what would be normal. Because the next thing I want to challenge you with is this. If we look at people, right? And what we want to see as what I would say biologically normal children give us the best picture of biological norm because they have not been tainted by the culture yet, Hmm. right? A baby that's born is only driven by its biology that's it instincts, biology, That's it. If you've never watched the little documentary called Babies, it's fascinating. They look at four different babies all over the world, right? raised in very different places. But guess what? They're all doing the same thing. (laughs) They're all driven by the same instincts and same biology. They've all been designed. Their brains are designed the same. So when we look at things that are become challenging, like sleep, most new parents will tell you in the United States, sleep is really challenging. Did you know that's a conversation that doesn't happen in other countries? What? That is not something that people worry about other places. Because the cultural expectation we have around sleep when imprinted on the biological norm for a child doesn't work. <laughs> so here we are with a biological child who's doing exactly the right behaviors and we're taking our cultural expectation and putting it on them. And then we have all of this conflict and we go, yeah. sleep sucks. Yeah. I need people to help me. I need experts. I need books. I need, yeah. I need help because sleep sucks. How on earth? does that make any sense? Because the reality is we've been humans for a long time. And if sleep <laughs> was a, was awful for thousands of years, people wouldn't keep having baby. We wouldn't be here right. if this didn't work, right? This works. The mother-baby relationship works. The family relationship works. So I think I want to challenge all you new moms or anyone who's listening to this right now to see if when you start thinking about sleep and expectations and things that are hard, Ask yourself this, is this a cultural thing or is this a biological thing? And if I can separate those things, then I can actually look and and we need to now start to understand that the biological things our children are doing are 100% appropriate. And our, it's our cultural expectations that need to shift if we want to have some, some, like a sense of, oh, this isn't so hard. <laughs> right.
1: It's so interesting that you say it's not a conversation elsewhere because that's literally like, oh, how old are they? How, is, how are they sleeping? Oh, oh, cute little baby. What's his name? How, How are they sleeping? they sleeping? Everyone. But along with the cultural norms of like trying to get your baby to sleep in a crib, trying to get your baby to sleep train, trying to do these things, people have people are going back to work at six weeks, twelve weeks, whatever in the US. It's oh yeah. It's I feel like these are the byproducts of the cultural norms of new parents and new mothers oh. and Yes. it's madness. And,
0: and the result of an excessively aggressive formula campaign. The reality is when you are a breastfeeding mom, for the most part, to successfully have a breastfeeding relationship, you have to sleep with your baby. So much happens at night between the hours of 1 a.m. and 5 a.m. With your hormones, your ability to make milk. We can talk about this a little bit more, but they're, literally to have a successful breastfeeding relationship, most women you talk to will say, yeah, I wasn't planning on it, but I sleep with my baby because it's the only way I can nurse and make it through the night. So, so if you have been told over and over and over your baby should sleep in their crib and they shouldn't be picked up and now you're breastfeeding and you're trying to figure out how this baby wants to nurse like every two hours at night, but I'm supposed to leave it in its crib. I don't understand what's going on. Totally. Formula companies come in and give you the solution because guess what? If you fill your baby up with a bottle of formula, protein is hard to digest. They will sleep for longer and you can put them away from you. And they will sleep, not because it's biologically appropriate, but because we have aggressive marketing oh that says, let so us much. fix that problem for you. So, what <sighs> I know,
1: <laughs> oh, there's, <laughs> there's a, a lot, lot. <laughs> I know, there's so much time. There's, so so there's so much to talk about, notes here, and we'll see if we can get to it. But okay, okay, so I agree. I think that a lot of people end up co sleeping when that wasn't the plan. So Correct. can we Correct. discuss, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. A couple of safe things, because it, if you're going to even end up doing it, if you weren't planning it, you should do it safely. Yes.
0: Okay. So let's talk about that because that is what will happen. What I, what I typically see happen is I got a new mom. She's been told over and over the baby should sleep in the crib, in the nursery, maybe even in the crib, in the room, maybe that was the yeah. advice she was giving. Great. And she is nursing her baby. And just sitting in a rocking chair, sitting in a rocking chair and to understand biological norms, a baby is not supposed to sleep deeply. Okay. They, they are, when we look at mammals, they are the most, one of the most immature mammals that are born. Like horses can walk the day that they're born. Right. Like as mammals kittens, although born with their eyes closed can find food on their own hmm. because the mama cat will lay there and they will find it and mm-hmm. can feed themselves. Right. Human babies, because of our hips and our brains and all the things, human babies are born excessively premature. They can't get food on their own. They can't even regulate their body temperature well on their own. They, they can't, can't walk. Can't walk. <sighs> they can't protect themselves. They can't do there for, forever. My <laughs> yeah. 12-month-old is still not walking, but come on. Yeah.
1: It takes We were born forever. 12 months ago for crying out loud. Let's go. <laughs>
0: Let's go. (laughs) Right, but but they are. It's super premature. They're so premature. Yeah. So their brains know that if I can't smell my mom, hear my mom, feel my mom, taste my mom, I will not survive. Right. Hmm. The brain is the same as the brain from 2000 years ago that says if I can't feel my mom and smell my mom and hear my mom and taste my mom, I I won't survive. Hmm. She equals survival. So to expect that a baby lives in the womb for nine months, its only reality has been held 24-7 and rocked with your movement, amniotic fluid, your breathing, hearing your heartbeat 24-7, being fed 24-7, being warm and comfortable 24-7, that they would somehow come out of that, the only existence they've known, that they would be born and go, (laughs) Put me in a crib for four hours. I'll be fine.
1: I got this, ma.
0: I got this. Turns out the crib's totally. beautiful. Thank you, 2022,
1: yes. for decorating yeah. it for me. No, no, no.
0: That brain says, if I can't smell my mom and hear my mom and feel my mom and taste my mom, I will die. I will yeah. die. Wow. And so the brain is... Stays in what we would call light sleep much longer than deep sleep. Light Mm -hmm. sleep, a baby in light sleep cannot be put down because their brain is on high alert, like, where's my mom? Where's my mom? Where's my mom? Where's my mom? I need to survive. So you put that baby down and they go, "Ah!" Yeah, you left me, you forgot about me, you put me down, and some predator's gonna get me. Right. Mom, where are you? Yeah. And so we have women who sit and nurse their babies. Their baby falls asleep and they go, Okay, put the baby down. Baby's in light sleep. Baby stays in light sleep for 30 minutes. So you can't put a baby down for the first 30 minutes. So they put the baby down, the baby wakes up, and they're like, Oh, shoot. Okay, so we're back to nursing. Baby falls asleep, they put him down, baby wakes up, oh, shoot. And eventually they hold them for long enough, potentially, that they get into deep sleep. <sighs> okay, now in a deep sleep, a baby can transfer, but you know how long a baby stays in deep sleep for? 30 minutes max. So now you put your baby down in deep sleep. You go crawl into your bed. You're just barely finally falling asleep. And what happens? Baby's awake and in light sleep and checking in and has, you left me behind. Mom, 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 mom. And and we go, oh, this baby won't sleep. What do I do? My baby won't sleep. No, 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 no. My baby won't sleep. Whoa, your baby is surviving. (laughs) Your baby's brain is trying to survive. And it is our cultural expectation that I should be able to get good sleep on my own in my own bed. My baby's Mm going to sleep and encrypt by themselves. That's the problem. Your baby's not the problem. Your baby is doing exactly what your baby should biologically do. What we need to do is help you figure out how to let go of this cultural expectation, adapt to what it is your baby needs, and do it safely and comfortably, where you feel like, "Ha, huh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can, I can lean into this normal biology and let go of this cultural expectation." And so, when women do this, when they come to me and they're exhausted, and I say, "Well, we got to figure out how you can sleep together with your baby," they're yep. all the questions, right? Like, "How?" But my husband's such a deep sleeper. Yep. I'm gonna roll over my baby oh what if the baby falls out of the bed oh Mm -hmm. how how and and in the same sentence i'll talk to women who are like well you know my 90 pound golden retriever is in bed with us and i'm like (laughs) time you're gonna put the human baby in another space and keep the dog in the bed well, the dog really complains when I try to kick the dog out. She just sits at the door and she whines. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh my God. I you think your baby, I you think your baby's going to do anything different. No, your baby's going to complain and wow. cry. So let's figure out how to make a safe sleep situation. So some of the things I want moms to think about, just think about, I ask this question all the time. How often do you roll over and fall off your bed in the middle of the night and wake up on the floor?
1: However, never, never,
0: never. Okay. Because you subconsciously know where the edge of your bed is. Even if you go to a hotel, you sleep in a bed that's not your bed. Do you fall off and end up on the floor? No, no, you don't. I, I would want to challenge that. Like, Oh, but I'm such a deep sleeper. Oh, but what if I roll over? Oh, but really, do you ever do that?
1: I know that, that was that one real? thing that you said to me that was like a total aha where you were just like, you don't roll off your bed because you're body knows where the edge of the bed is. So it's the same thing with not rolling onto your baby. And I was like, okay, but I just got articles sent to me from my aunt about how this mom rolled over onto her baby. Right. Okay. So let's, let's dissect this
0: a little bit more. So there are situations where we would say, this is not safe. Co-sleeping with your baby is not safe. I don't want to say that it an always safe thing. It's not. Cribs are also not always the safe thing. So let's let's make sure we keep that in mind. Babies die in cribs more than they die in mom's and dad's beds, but we don't see this publicized. We don't see this talked about because our cultural expectation is that you put your baby in a crib because if you are a formula feeding mother, it is not safe to sleep with your baby. So hmm. once again, our cultural norm here in America is formula feeding. It is not breastfeeding. Exclusively so as an-
1: formula? What if you're a half and half seed?
0: Mm, risky, a little potentially depends on some other situations, but an exclusively formula-fed baby should not be sleeping in bed with their parents. Hmm. And if you look at a, a, a zoom out of our country, we have a major formula agenda here. The vast majority of babies are given formula. So the advice that has to come from the top down has to fit the majority. And if the majority is formula feeding, then the majority of people should not sleep with their babies. Right. But now we get stuck with the breastfeeding mom right? who is trying to accomplish something that is not intended for her. So if you are a formula feeding mom, why is it not safe to sleep with your baby? Let's talk about that. Yeah. Well, because there's something that happens in the brain of a breastfeeding mom that is different than the brain of a formula feeding mom. So the, we, there's literal like neuro studies. You can actually look at, um if you watch- Uh, what's it called? The Milky Way. It's a documentary on Netflix about breastfeeding and they go into this, the sleep, the science. So we won't talk a ton about it, but you can look at that documentary. There's a lot of science behind it, but what they do is they want like, um, monitor like maternal brain activity, like during sleep studies, super cool. And what they find is that moms and babies who sleep in very close proximity, who are exclusively breastfeeding, moms have a hormonal shift, which of course we understand because they're making milk. They have literal changes in their brain that allow them to parent and attend to their baby through the night while they're sleeping and protect that baby, which makes sense. If we look thousands of years ago, why would moms roll over their babies in the middle of caves? Like right. what, how, why or put
1: them in that a different make part make of the cave? Sense. Yeah. Right.
0: Let me put you over here, baby, where you can't regulate your body temperature and yeah. a bear might eat you. Like yeah. that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. So of course it makes sense that biologically, when we are feeding our babies, our brains change. One of the things that we see that changes is our sleep, Cycles. So when you are nursing your baby and you are sleeping in very close proximity, you will hit light sleep together and you will hit deep sleep together. You will hit light sleep together and deep sleep together. Your you sleep will cycle cycles sync together. What? Yes. So this makes a lot of sense, right? Okay. So now when baby is going into light sleep and is looking for connection, is looking to eat, is want, looking to be reassured, mom is also in light sleep. So baby goes, eh, eh, and mom goes, oh hi, and here here's them. Here, let me nurse you and then they nurse in light sleep and then they both drop into deep sleep now deep sleep is that paralytic sleep right where you just you don't move you're just in deep sleep so now we have mom and baby both in deep sleep not moving safe and then they roll into light sleep together and baby goes "Eh, eh, eh." and mom goes oh hi and they sink and now when a mom can feed her baby like that through the night and they sink a mom will wake up and go you know I I feel okay I don't feel too bad like yeah I woke up I nursed my baby multiple times but like I can but I don't know how many times don't know how many times not sure Tell you. not sure yeah couldn't tell you because you just now wake
1: up you whip your boob out connect and you both fall back to sleep like that and what you're
0: doing for your baby is creating a positive sleep association for them so they wake up and they go oh mom's still here it's safe to go back to sleep oh Mm. mom's still here It's safe to go back to sleep. And guess what? When you do that over and over and over and over, you end up with a toddler who's not scared to go to bed because they go, mom's always here. When I wake up, I'm safe. Everything's fine. Let's go back to sleep. And we're creating this safe. And then they start to link their sleep cycle. So maybe they go to light sleep and they, they, so we have to also acknowledge we go to light sleep and we wake up, we get up and pee. We check our, our, our environment. We don't actually go to sleep and sleep for like 12 hours straight, but we expect somehow our babies to like go to sleep and sleep for 12 hours straight and not wake up. We don't even do that as adults. So that's not an expectation we should have for our children. So when they start to cycle like this, what we can expect is that the first cycles are maybe like 45 minutes and then they start to link them and we get like an hour and a half's worth of sleep. And then they start to link a couple more and then we get like a three hour set of sleep, not because they're not going to light sleep, but because they have so many times checked in and known it's safe that they now their brain goes, it's fine. You can go back to sleep Mm -hmm. and they can drop into deep sleep again together. Right now let's talk about a mom who's separate from her baby. Let's talk about breastfeeding mom who's separate from her baby. Now she has nursed the baby. The baby's is sleep. Wait. Uh, there's oh, wait, one wait. more
1: thing that I need to add because there was another nugget that you told me, and you're probably going to get to it because I feel like it's crucial. But well, you're probably about to say it, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you to it because it. it was it. just gold for me. <laughs> you said when you're sleeping and you wake up and you don't go from horizontal to vertical, right? So you don't sit up. You don't get as awake, right? So when you're when you're co-sleeping, breastfeeding, you get to stay horizontal, you get to stay laying down, give them the boob, fall back asleep. no big deal. Yeah, you were about to say it. Yeah. So now when you go into the mom who's separate and your baby cries in the other room, you now have to get up. Yes, and something dramatically changes in
0: your brain when you go from laying down to upright, right to vertical. Your brain all of a sudden is like, I have to be awake. Awake. Okay. I need to wake up. This is no longer light sleep. This is, there's a reason I'm up. There's, a, there's a, mm. <laughs> there's something going on, usually a little bit of cortisol. So when we separate a mom and a baby and they are cycling differently, right? A mom's got a baby in light sleep. She puts her baby down. a Baby's in a deep sleep cycle while mom's in a light sleep cycle. And then baby goes to light sleep while mom's in deep sleep. That baby starts to cue, uh, uh, Mom doesn't wake up. She's in deep sleep. Yeah. She's in the hardest part of waking her up. Oh, so baby has to, ah, 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 ah. baby has to get loud to wake <laughs> mom <mama>. up. <laughs> My little one just went, ah. Is she in um, there? I didn't even
1: see her walk in. That's so funny. <laughs> hi. Hi.
0: So when we then have a mom who's woken out of deep, deep sleep, sleep. She feels like she's been hit by a and truck. And then has her to stand up. Her cortisol level goes high. She has to stand up. Her body says, alert, 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 alert. And her baby's doing Let the same drop. thing. Her baby's doing the same Mom, mom, you forgot me. Mom, you left me. Mom. And now they reconnect. And it takes a long time to get cortisol to drop, to be able to get back to sleep, to relax, to chill. And now we're going to do this, what, every hour and a half? Because they're getting five minutes of sleep and woken out of deep sleep. And they go, forget this. I'm going to grab that formula that they sent me for free. And I'm going to give it to my for- my husband. And you go in there and you feed that baby because I need to sleep. sleep. Yep. And what hours do they usually do that? The one to 5 a.m. hours. Mm-hmm. Because usually moms are like, I can do it. I can do it. And then at 1 a.m. rolls around and they're like, screw this. I can't do it
1: anymore. Mm-hmm. 2 a.m. rolls around. Forget it. I can't do it anymore. Stop. You is that others. a breastfeeding sweatshirt?
0: Uh, this company just sent it to me and I'm obsessed. Okay, tell me what the brand is. It's called Mama Two M A M A T U. They have multiple, and this is like the plain one, but hold on, show you I one thought it was so look cute and
1: I didn't even realize it was a breastfeeding. Oh, okay. look at the
0: inside down and up. So if it's like cold, this is a high neck, you just zip up and only boobs out, or you can zip down, you can baby wear
1: It's cute. It's got a okay. pocket. Mama T U, okay, Mama T. Love it. Okay. Well, we'll shout out to them. I'll put their link in the show notes. Okay. So yeah, I totally agree with all that you've said because I wasn't, and side nursing, people have like their second children and don't know what that is. And I'm like, how did you survive? not well, sideline. Let's
0: quickly talk a little bit more about this on the safety front too. When we have a mom who thinks the safer thing is to have her baby in the crib and thinks the safer thing is to get up multiple times at night. What she ends up doing is nursing her baby in a chair,
1: yeah,
0: in a rocking chair, in the lazy boy, on the couch. And guess what? All of those places are statistically less, less safe, safe. Yeah. than your bed. Yeah. So now we're trying to do the safe thing and we're doing the less safe thing by trying to do the same thing because no one has talked about how we safely sleep, co-sleep with our babies, which totally. is like essential.
1: Okay. we're not so, going to get into there. What is, I'll do this too. So people can look at it. So we can keep diving into the extra stuff. Mama Le- Leche, what's it called? Leche League. La Leche League but. has the se- seven safe sleep things. Yeah. So
0: the book is called Sweet Sleep.
1: And oh, this is a I book written a by the La
0: Leche League, Sweet Sleep. Okay. And Sweet Sleep was written for breastfeeding moms to understand sleep. The wonderful thing about this book is that it's going to give you data research and talk about biological expectations. So you can stop being frustrated with your child. It is amazing. And it breaks it down based on age. So you don't need to read it cover to cover. If you have a six month old, you grab it and you look for the six month old part what? and you read it.
1: I knew yeah. nothing about this. I'm you sorry, were my sweet sleep. Yeah, I had you. <laughs> Okay, so but they yes. have the seven. They safe, have what and they call the like, safe seven. No cords, no extra blankets, no. So no the, it's simple things. Uh, you
0: can't be smoking. No smoking. No drinking alcohol and doing drugs. You need to be nursing your baby. You need to have a full-term healthy newborn. So that means like at the very beginning, if you've got this preemie NICU baby, who's like four and a half pounds, there's some different things that have to happen. But if you've got a full-term baby, you're nursing, the baby is with you, that baby is not swaddled or overdressed and you have a safe surface, meaning that you've got like a fitted sheet on your bed. Um, And then what's the other one? Oh, that the baby, when you're nursing is lying next to you on their side and on their back and not face down next to you so if you have a baby who's laying next to you nursing and laying sleeping like on their side and on their back which makes a lot of sense no one puts a baby right next to them and then flips them from like, i do naturally. i do that yeah
1: do you yeah when you just said that <laughs> well, i was like uh, uh
0: well how but how old's your baby
1: well so, she's six months
0: okay but
1: still as soon as she well once she was able to roll over on her own then she started sleeping on her belly
0: Bing. that's okay. the key if they can okay. roll over on their own, they can sleep however that they want to sleep. It. It's it's we're talking like newborns, like brand new okay. seven and a half pound yeah, newborn. We don't right. want to swaddle them, put them on their belly,
1: yeah, and then have
0: a mom who's drinking alcohol
1: and drugs. Yeah, that like, was the big the, thing. Yeah, no, like sleep aids, drinking. Right. You can't or be smoke. sleeping medications, smoke, right? Yeah, but the smoke thing, I didn't realize what the, was was the a thing. I mean, I knew, was, but once you things. told me, yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. Yeah, so it's it's.
0: Yeah. So that they have a really great breakdown of like, why the why behind all of those um, in the book and basically say, if you're a mom and you can say, Oh yeah, these seven things apply. I have a full-term baby. I'm breastfeeding. We have a fitted sheet on our bed. I'm not drinking before I go into bed. I don't smoke. I'm breastfeeding. I think I said that, uh, then great. Your what about statist- your, It's partner? actually statistically safer to sleep with your baby than to put your baby away from you.
1: We're going to take a brief break. So I can tell you about my favorite nursing bra. It took me a while. Before I bought a nursing bra with Aaliyah, I have no idea why, but then I found the kindred bravely sublime sports bra, ordered it. Love it. It's comfortable. I would work out in this thing. You can open it up whenever you want. Feed the babe, close it. They have pajamas. They have pumping bras. The sublime sports bra specifically is my favorite. You can get 20% off with code. Hey, Shayla, let's get back to the show.
0: So sorry, sweet sleep. Grab that book. Even if you also, if you're listening to this and you have a friend who's pregnant, like make that your baby shower gift, like the. the information in sweet sleep, especially for partners, because we're going to talk about partners here, partners panic. Usually the mom's yep. like, okay, this kind of makes sense to me. And partners are like, yeah. this is scary. I've been told we're going to kill our baby. Yes. Um. Yes. Well, and the other interesting thing is I would challenge all of you who are listening to this um, to, if you have moms who are breastfeeding moms that are friends that are breastfeeding or parents or aunties or your mom people that you know that had breastfeeding relationships i would challenge you to ask them what they did with sleep because what you'll find is most of them will say well you you were in bed with us we we co-slept oh yeah i had the baby in bed with me it's like the shameful thing that they yeah. don't want to talk about and no one wants to admit but when you start actually asking like I'll sit down in my support group. We've got 10 women out in the back and a new mom will come and she's like, I'm just so worried and I'm not getting any sleep. And all of them will say, why well, are you co-sleeping? Well, no, it's just so dangerous. And we'll say, how many of us in here co-sleep? And like every single hand goes up. <laughs> and most of them will say like, well, I don't, I don't really talk about it because yeah. my mom doesn't think I should. I don't really nice. talk about it because my best friend says I shouldn't. Yep. But if you actually ask, most women are like, oh yeah, I co-sleep with my babies. Didn't plan on it. Right. Have a
1: beautiful nursery, not using it. <laughs> totally. I know we didn't even do we didn't even make a nursery for Esme. And Seth still nope. kind of feels bad about it. And I'm like, nah. Um, okay. I just looked, sweet sleep is on Audible. Basically, if a book's not on Audible, chances are I'm not gonna read it because I just need yes. to listen. So there, there you though. go. Yeah, there you go. It's on there, Audible. Probably. No excuses. Right. <laughs> um, okay so, okay, so
0: partners, you want to talk about partners a yeah, 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 yes. So when it comes to partners, one of the things that we need to understand is that a lot of women will say to me, "My husband is such a deep sleeper. He's literally sawing logs next to me. He's snoring. He doesn't move. He's so deeply in sleep." It's like great, okay, I understand. But what you need to also understand is that his hormones change with pregnancy, with postpartum, and his brain changes alongside moms. And if mom is in bed, and attentive and caring for baby his brain is allowed to let go of that and deeply sleep this is one of the ways that we as a communal people were able to let's say uh, take shifts at night stoking the fire and protecting the camp and everyone else can deeply sleep because there's someone who's in charge and then you switch and the person who's in charge is being in charge and everyone else's brains can say that person's in charge i'm gonna sleep so if you have a husband who's a deep sleeper It's probably because his brain says, my wife's got it. She's got the baby. I am going to get rest because there's going to be a time when I'm going to need to be in charge and up and she's going to need to get rest. So it's an indication to me that you have a really good functioning relationship when a mom says, my husband's really deeply sleeping. And I'm like, great, because he needs to be really well rested when tomorrow you hand him the baby and you go take a nap (laughs) (laughs) or he has to go to work and he has to go function. So his brain knows She's safe with you. Now, how, how do I know from personal experience that this is a real thing? I used to work nights. So when our oldest, she's now 10 and a half was six weeks old, I went back to working night shift as a nurse. I was paranoid. We slept with our baby in a queen bed. I was paranoid that he was going to de- yeah. sleep like he always did. And like, it was going to be a really rough night. Something horrible is going to happen. Like oh, what's going to happen. What's going to happen. Six so weeks. of course all night long, I'm like texting him. Are you okay? Is everything okay? And he's not texting back. Not texting back. Yeah, of course, sleeping because he's he's sleeping. Um, and (laughs) I'm sure like something horrible has happened. And I get home, and he's in bed, and and my daughter snuggled up with him, and they're just happy as could be and sleeping. And so I asked him, of course, when he woke up, like, how how was it? How was the night? And he says to me, Oh my gosh, I like I heard every sound she made, like every sound. Like I was every every time she moved, I heard her. Every time, everything she, when she woke up and she wanted to eat, like I, I like my brain was so in tune with everything that she did. I really didn't sleep deeply at all, but we rested together and I'm like, see his brain knew the person protecting the baby is out of the bed. <laughs> you are now in charge. And he moved into a light sleep state where he was excessively aware of her every time she hit light sleep, because he was the one
1: now in charge. Okay. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to ask you a tough question right now. Ask me a tough question. I might not have the answer, but I'm all. What is the difference between dad and a formula feeding mom?
0: That's a great question. And I don't know that I have a biological answer for you, but my assumption would be dad is supposed to be part of this mix. Dads never can breastfeed. Dads have to be part of the, if we look at the family unit, Mm -hmm. dad's part of the family unit. So we know that dad's hormones adjust based on maternal hormones. So if a mom is breastfeeding, my assumption is that dad's hormones are in a different state than a mom who's not breastfeeding and her husband's hormones.
1: Okay. Like as a dad's hormones are responding to to mom's hormones where a formula feeding mom is not responding to Oh, She's not having
0: a, the same okay. hormonal response um, to her baby. That would be my assumption. Now I'm not a neuroscientist right. and I haven't studied that much of like deep sleep for dads, but safe, uh, the sweet sleep might talk. I mean, it talks excessively about the breastfeeding unit and the family. So it might have I'm just not remembering. It might have something specific about partners. Um, but I know from from what I've observed in like the eight years of doing breastfeeding support groups and like my own personal experience, my best friend's experience of our co-sleeping families, that's exactly what happens. If mom is out of the bed, dad is on high alert. And when mom is in the bed, dad is able to rest. And so um, so that's one thing to just contemplate and to experiment with. The other thing that I think we is worth talking about is that in our culture, Our culture says, if you and your husband aren't sleeping in the same bed, there must be something wrong in Uh your marriage.
1: Yeah. And the bedroom is like a sexual
0: place. Oh gosh. Yes. So that's a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. And if we look at like, how does that fit in with biological needs? What we actually see is that sometimes it makes more sense for dad to sleep somewhere else. Mm -hmm. For mom and baby to have a safe sleep situation together and for dad to sleep somewhere else. And another thing, if you talk to moms, some of them will say like, oh yeah, well, like my husband just sleeps in the guest room. Like for the first three months postpartum, my husband just had to sleep somewhere else. And can we start taking away the shame? There's no shame in that. There's no shame in that at all. Like I had a husband who needed, he does anesthesia. He's a nurse with pediatric patients. He can't be half asleep giving pediatric patients anesthesia medication. Like he needs to sleep and be able to function at work. So there were many times in our relationship and our mothering and fathering of four children where he has slept somewhere else because he really needed to be able to function at work. And I slept with the children. Yeah. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that your marriage is falling apart. It doesn't mean it's forever. It doesn't mean that you can't have an intimate sexual relationship. And when people tell me like, oh, we'd love to have the baby in the bed, but you know, we have to have to have time. Like, whoa, time out. How do you think I have four children? Yeah. Mm, Slept in my bed with me and we had four children. (laughs) Yeah. If you can't figure out how to have sex, if it's not in your bed at a specific time at night, right. Spice it up people.
1: Spice
0: it up. That's a different conversation. That is a different conversation. And having a baby in your bed is not like or out of your bed is not going to make or break your sexual relationship with your husband. Like that is not, let's not put that kind of pressure on our babies who
1: need us. Totally. Like uh, yeah. Anyways. Okay, two things. Thing number one, in this um uh what was the thing that you referred to? It was a Netflix baby the Netflix documentary, it talks about this biological change in your brain of somebody who needs to like hear the baby crying in same sex couples. There's usually one, even in same sex couples, that is like the person who's attuned. And then the one who rests. Isn't that wild? I love it so much. And it's amazing. So you said, yeah.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Is like, we have to start realizing that like the way we are designed is not flawed.
1: (laughs) when there's
0: problems it's because of the cultural expectation not our babies yes not us well and the sooner we can realize that the sooner we can
1: relax about it because we stress (gasps) so much about it not fitting in the right way and it's like Oh, this is what's supposed to happen. Oh, well then how am I going to make this work? It works by my husband sleeping in another room for the time because that's the season we're in and that's okay. As long as you and your husband are okay with it. It's not like get out of bed. It's like, Hey, this is, I sleep best here. You sleep best here. We'll kiss in the morning and we'll be good to go. We're doing what's best for our family. Right. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Um, I think
0: it's, uh, it's, and it's all in seasons,
1: right? This is not like a forever. And that's, you Uh, learn that years into motherhood I'm two and a half years in and I'm like okay whatever's happening right now we're gonna get through it and we're gonna go to the next thing and it'll be a different kind of different and weird and hard and change right. and that'll be fine too
0: right well and if you start just asking grandmas and grandpas older people in their 60s 70s 80s like what was your favorite time of life what were the good old days they will tell you right now Mm -hmm. When my babies were little and I got to cuddle them and snuggle them in the morning. And when they ran to me when I got home from work, like we're in it, we're Mm -hmm. in the good old days. And if we spend all of this time in the good old days stressed out about our babies somehow doing something that they shouldn't be doing because of our cultural expectations, we miss it. We Mm -hmm. miss it. And like, this is a very, very special time.
1: we're going to look back when we have teenagers and wish that we were back in it's so funny because I was just talking to my mom (laughs) yeah I was just talking to my mom about because with Aaliyah I think I had a little bit of postpartum anxiety or I don't know never diagnosed but now that I have Esme and I don't have those feelings I'm like whoa something was going on the first time and it would because like I need to put my baby on a schedule of course, like they can't sleep. I need to wake them up after X amount of time sleeping. And then their wake window is this much. And then they need to go to bed by this time. And if they don't, everything's going to fall apart. And so I remember being at my mom's house, just like starting to like hyperventilate, not actually, but almost, or I'm like, we need to go we need to go I know you just made dinner I'm really sorry that we're leaving like thank you for the dinner we could take it maybe okay that's not it's fine I just don't want to eat it because then I feel bad about eating and leaving but we need to go because it's 6 30 and we need to get home by 7 and then we've got bath and then books and then this and then this and then this and if she doesn't get and it was like so stressful and chaotic and I remember oh, yeah. trying to get her to sleep and she would not sleep and I would get rage yeah. like never where I harmed her or anything like that, but just internally, I was boiling and I would call Seth at work and I would just be crying and whatever. And now with Esme, I don't wake her up. I don't like, she sometimes has a three hour wake window when really she should have had an hour and a half. Cause that's when she was tired. But like, if I try and put her down in an hour, now her wake windows get into like two hours, but I go off of her cues. But if I try and do it at one hour and it takes her forever to fall asleep, I'm like, okay, we're going to try again in a half hour and I just get back up. And I'm like, I would try and get Aaliyah to sleep for an hour and get so frustrated. And I'm like, girl probably was not tired. And I was just, okay, so that's the tangent. But My mom was like- So, well, I want to just say something to that real quick is that
0: if you are a mom who's listening to this and you are in that boat where you're like, this is the schedule that the book said or whatever it is, I would challenge you to ask yourself, Are you putting that schedule as a, um, if this, then this, because a lot of times we say, if I can da, 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 da," I will guarantee a specific behavior for my child. And if I, you know, if I have the perfect nap schedule and the perfect wake window, then I can guarantee they're going to sleep the specific way, or I am a good mom Mm -hmm. because I did it what the book said, mm-hmm. and I'm going to have a good kid mm-hmm. who acts a specific way. And the the sooner you can start to realize that you are raising a human who is a completely unique person. And there is no, if this, then this, if I'm the perfect mom, I get a baby who sleeps. And when all the people ask me, how's your baby sleeping? I can say, good. Yeah. Wonderful. Cause I'm a perfect mom. Like we start we start putting morals, good and bad values on our children's behavior, which right. is crazy. Yeah. And then thinking we have control over their behavior by what we do, which yep. is even crazier. Yes. And so like the sooner, and I think when you have two, three, four children, you literally can't do that. Like <laughs> she sleeps when she falls asleep because She's the fourth kid. And I got like, so this morning we had to run a tractor supply because I needed something for the chickens. Well, she fell asleep in the car because she was tired. Great. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. She's going to like, and I can't cater to her, which is okay. Right. And I'm not saying she's a good baby or a bad baby because she fell asleep in the car. She's just a baby who was tired, you know? And so Great. the sooner you can start to let go of the moral part of it or yeah. the if this, then this, I think yeah. the happier you are because absolutely.
1: Yeah. You look at your child's behavior and think, I must be a bad mom because yeah.
0: they only slept for 30 minutes.
1: And when I, when I let go of Esme's sleep, I found today was super busy. And typically she gets about, I don't know, three and a half hours of sleep because I still track it religiously, but mostly out of curiosity to see if I can know because I'm not a trendsetter. Like I'd be like, I don't know, sometimes the trash comes and sometimes it doesn't. Oh, it's every <laughs> Thursday. Oh, like that's literally me. Like I just don't yeah. recognize patterns. So I do it like to kind of get that. So I'm like, okay, she typically naps three and a half hours during the day. Today, it was only two hours. Yesterday, it was only two hours. Well, then the following day, it was six. She literally made up the sleep that she had missed the past two days. And so she's doing 30-minute naps, 30-minute naps. And then she did a a two-and-a-half-hour nap because she needed it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, and as soon
0: as we can start to recognize, too, that our children are actually the experts in their bodies. <laughs> like right? they actually know what their bodies need. They yeah. know if they're going through a growth spurt. They know if they're fighting off a cold. They know if they need a little more sleep or maybe they don't. Like, and if we can offer them, op- it's the same thing with food. If we can offer them food and mm-hmm. allow them to choose what they eat, they actually do an excellent job yeah. regulating themselves, you right. know, and we can start trusting them to sleep when they're tired and to, you know, and they when are they're hungry.
1: Like, Some moms will think, oh, well, I can't, I have to get my kid up and go to do all these things. If they're tired, they're going to fall asleep in the car. If they're tired, they're going to go to sleep earlier or sleep in later. Or like, if you have a very scheduled whatever, they're going to get the sleep in when they need to get it in. And so- And
0: I think too, you have to ask yourself, what's, what's your, what's your value? Cause I will say like, here's a, here's a quick example. I know some women in my life who really really thrive in schedule. like they need schedule they want schedule they have they schedule is is excessively important to them for their own ability to function as a mom. Yeah. So they like to have a schedule. they like to have like and, and we're talking older than like the first few months. the first few yeah. months babies neurologically can't even schedule. So let's yeah, say okay. older kids like this is what we do. We wake up, we start school at this time or whatever. I drop my kids off at school at this time and this is what happens. we do a nap always from this time to this time, whatever. Mm-hmm. great. There's other moms who are like, you know, what? I really like to go with my kids, go with the flow. I'm gonna kind of do my thing. My baby will sleep when they're tired. Great, yeah. but depending on what your value is and your priority is, that's that should dictate what kind of decision you make. So for me, for example, we have this wonderful like little free amphitheater thing that happens every summer. They do live performances that are at 8 p.m. They start at 8 p.m. Till oh. like 10. Okay. Now, my value, my priority is that my children get to see live ballet, live orchestra, live theater, and it's on the street that I live on and it's a priority. So I don't schedule my children. We don't have a strict bedtime because I want my kids to have an excessively flexible ability that in the summers on Tuesdays and Fridays, they are fine at 8 PM, happily watching a ballet until 10 o'clock where they crash. And then during the fall and the sun setting earlier, and we have school in the morning, they go to bed at eight o'clock and we just do like my value is in experience over schedule. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to push for experiences, push my children to stay up later and not have a strict bedtime routine, because that is what I've value Mm -hmm. now I'm not saying it's right or wrong or better or worse but if someone says no I mean I have friends who are like yeah no we never do the bowl my kids are in bed at 7 30 every single night Mm -hmm. all the time because from 7 30 to 9 is my time with my husband and that is my priority and so I always have my kids in bed at 7 30 and I don't care that they're missing the ballet I don't care that they're missing the symphony orchestra who cares so like that has that's why this is nuanced that's why we can't say everybody put your bed kid to bed at 7 30 and if they stay asleep you're a good mom yeah everybody sleep with your baby
1: you're don't yeah right Right. We, it's
0: too nuanced and it based it's dependent on your, your values as a family Mm -hmm. and what you want, what your priorities are.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what, that's where my tangent was going was that my mom said you were crazy the first time she's like, we would go out to friend's house who also had kids and we'd be up till 1am. And so would you. And I was like, and nobody was freaked out that the kids were still awake at 1am. She's like, no, we hope that you slept in because we also stayed up till 1am and we wanted our kids to sleep in a little longer. And I was like, are you actually kidding me? Like I would lose my mind if, and she's like, nobody's stressed about it. Nothing. She's like, I asked people at work if they follow their kids sleep schedules. And they all said yes. And she's like, it's just crazy to me that y'all plan and get like worried about sleep. And I'm like, how did what? Like, this is just like this new, oh, it's just so wild. And I I read, oh man, one of the parenting books I read, I think it was Hunt Gather Parent, talked about how in Argentina, they're up late. And for Christmas, they might be up till two. And if their kid falls asleep on the couch, sweet. If they stay up till two, cool. And it's just like, they let it go because they're having a good time. They're at a family party. This is what we're doing. And yeah, it might disrupt their sleep for a couple of days, but that's literally their response. Yeah. They might sleep funny for the next couple of days.
0: Right. And in that you can see that the, the, the value there mm-hmm. is we value family, we value time, we value experience, and we value our children being part of that. Yes. So we're exactly. going to bring them into Ooh, it yeah. as opposed to removing ourselves because we have children. Love and I think that's another that. thing our country does, right? We don't necessarily value children. We don't mm-hmm. look at Families that have four children. My my best friend has five. I have four. When we go together, it's her and I and nine kids, ten oh, and under. Even my response. Says, Thank you for your culturally appropriate. Response. Oh my right. Goes, oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and we work consciously to take our children places, mm-hmm. go out to eat with them, and and show that like our children are not a burden. Our Mm -hmm. children are a blessing Mm -hmm. and they are a valued member of this society. And we don't have to, we don't have to be hermits at home because we have children. No, 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 no. We can go out shopping and do all the fun things and take them out and do whatever. They are not a burden. We are going to invite them into the community because they're Uh, valued members of this community. Totally, We're not going to sit at home ashamed Uh of them.
1: And they probably do really well because you've socialized them to be out and about like that. Yeah.
0: Well, and it's practice. Like people will tell me like, oh, I tried. I went out. My two-year-old was just a disaster in the store. I'm like, well, how many times do you take them to the store? Oh, it's like the first time we've gone.
1: Yeah. Practice. That's me. That's literally me. I'm like, we're going to do pickup. (laughs) We're not going in the store. It's chaotic. People are crazy. And like, yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Well, like, and then once but, again,
0: it's your value. Like, yep. do you care? Do you care if your kids know how to appropriately stand in the store in line and wait their turn or not? And not that it's good or bad or right, right or wrong, but just what is your priority? And like, I, the other day I took seven of our eight, seven, seven of our children. Cause it was all I could fit in the car, <laughs> seven of our kids to target by myself and had this moment of like, yeah, this, this is why we do this. We've done many target trips that were hard, many target trips where we had to turn around and just leave because we were having a meltdown or, you know, many, many target trips that were not great, but this particular target trip, I ended, I had, I think I've been one my stories. I was, pro- it was months ago, but I'm standing there and I have three of the girls with me that are all sitting on the floor in the book aisle. And they've all got a book and they're just intrigued. I have the three boys that are with me. No, two of the boys looking at Legos, just just talking, looking at Legos. The other two kids were looking at Paw Patrol. And so I'm standing in the middle of the aisle and I can see all of them. And then the baby is fast asleep because she fell asleep in the car. And I'm like, this, this is not hard. Like much our children know the expectation when we come to Target, they know how to behave in Target. Like this is an enjoyable trip. And my kids are looking at books and looking at Legos and quietly appropriate in the store. Now, does that happen overnight? No, no. but it's a value of mine to practice that mm-hmm. and give them opportunities to practice anyway it's big tangent but That's even a whole just other podcast.
1: totally I know I was just thinking I was like we're talking about sleep <laughs> but but <laughs> I think even going in with that expectation is really important I tried doing a mile run with the stroller and it was like what the hell are we doing why why can't uh, I get out why can't I walk why are we running past the park like what is this and I was like this is the first time we're doing this I have to do this like five more times for her to understand what this is maybe I'll do a shorter run for like the first five and we'll get used to it whatever but Absolutely. Yes. I agree. Changing those expectations. I had the ladies from We Talkers on my podcast recently who are speech therapists for babies and for toddlers. And I was talking to them and I was like, aren't toddlers just going to learn how to talk if they're typical speaking toddlers? And they were like, yeah, but you want to make sure that you have the communication and the language down for when they enter school so that they can just build on it. And the more that they can communicate, the less frustrated they are. Okay. They have a toddler course, a baby course, and then a song and stories where they read and sing to your kids to help them with language. So, if you're interested in checking out any of their courses, Hey Shayla will get you a discount. Let's get back to the show. The last question that I have is Will my baby ever leave my bed? Well, and that's <laughs> nope, never, like, she'll never. She'll be 18 and yeah. she'll be
0: wanting you to go to college with her and sleep in the dorm room, Mom, twin please. bed with you. <laughs>
1: <Please>. <laughs> right.
0: Um, so, this is a really interesting thing that is very, very hard to understand when you only have one baby and when you haven't walked through it. But once you've walked through it, it's like, ah, duh. and I will tell you, because I've walked through it now multiple yeah. times, children developmentally advance children walk when they're ready to walk. Little girls start their period when their body's ready to start their period. And children choose to sleep on their own when they're ready to sleep on their own. And it is something that absolutely happens. And it is something that I believe happens in a, so, so most people you'll talk to who maybe have had the baby in the crib and then they've got the bed ba- and they're like, well, bedtime's kind of hard. And You are know, like I put them in the room and I have to close the door and then they cry for a little bit. And it's kind of this thing. Mm-hmm. And I have to tell them they have to stay there. And then you can't come into mom and dad's room until the morning when your little light turns, then you're allowed to get out of bed and then you can come in. And it's like this thing, this yeah. battle. And to me, if you're battling it, your child is feeling like sleep is not safe. I am not safe. Sleep is not safe. Uh, This is, I just where the people who keep me safe aren't here Mm -hmm. and I don't feel safe. And that is a high cortisol state in the brain. Now a high cortisol state in the brain is toxic for sleep and children will sleep, but they're sleeping in a high cortisol state, which is not good for brain development. Mm -hmm. So what we want is a child to love sleep, to think that sleep is safe, to feel like they can always, I can always go to my mom and my dad in the middle of the night if I need to, because they're my protectors. And let me just say As adults, how many of us sleep by ourselves? I know I sleep better when my husband's in bed with me. Mm -hmm. When he had to work nights and he's gone, I don't sleep as well because my protector, the person who is in charge of keeping my home safe, is gone yeah <laughs> so how we expect our two year olds or our three year olds to feel a hundred percent safe in their space while their protector isn't close to them mm-hmm. is crazy once again, that's a cultural expectation we're putting on a child that's biologically not appropriate a lot of places all over the world the family always sleeps together you have a family sleeping space and that is how you stay safe that is how you stay warm that is how you make sure that everyone's needs are met is that you all are together so, Let's say you are sleeping together and let's say you are, you do have the baby in bed with you there is so much gray area for how you transition this. And I think people feel like it's black and white. My baby's either in my bed or they're in their own room and that's it. No, no, no. There's so much gray area, right? We did some transitioning where like our bed was on the floor, which we didn't really talk about babies getting mobile, but we could touch on that if we wanted, but our bed was on the floor and we had a bed next to our bed, a twin. And then as my daughter got a little bit older and she started really enjoying sleeping in her own Mm -hmm. little space for her, I think it was her third second second birthday we went and we got we let her pick out my older daughter we let her pick out like a new sheet set and pillows and we took her bed and we put it we have rooms that are connecting to each other so we put it in a room where we could see her from our bed There was no door between us. We could see her and she could see us. And she would go to sleep in her big girl bed. And halfway through the night, she'd get out and she'd come and she'd connect with us and she'd sleep with us. And then the next night she would sleep in her big girl bed. And then this, I'm going to just a plug for having a lot of children. What happened is that when my second was starting to do that, we moved them together Hmm. and they loved having a buddy. So my, my older two slept together in a bed and now they weren't alone and they didn't feel scared. And now my three older sleep in a triple bunk. all together. And they're in a room right next to us where they can see us and we can see them. And if any of them need anything in the middle of the night, they can come in our little ones in bed with us. But our kids are very happy sleepers and all transitioned into beds on their own when they felt ready and felt like it was exciting. And they chose it. I mean, my daughter, she's 10 now. And she's like, mom, I really would love to have like my own bedroom sometime. Like, great. Let's do it. Let's find, let's find a space where you can have your own bedroom. Now that she's developmentally ready to like have her own space. And guess what? If I give her her own space, she's not going to complain to me about it. She's not going to be, why are you locking me in my room? And I know she's ready. And so we have a situation because we have an old home and we have tiny, tiny rooms where that that's, what's working for us. We don't have a room for each of our children. We live in a hundred year old house. We have a triple bunk because that works. We have a small space, but I believe that children, when sleep associations have been positive and they have been reinforced over and over and over, that you're safe when you sleep. I'm right here. It's okay. Don't you don't need to worry in the middle of the night? You're not alone. Mommy's yeah. here. Daddy's well, here. That they developmentally go, Oh, I'm ready to be in my own space. And usually around two, three, four years old. That's what I was going to ask.
1: Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
0: And I think it changes based on what child this is. So for example, my best friend's, her fourth baby is two, but at like 18 months wanted to sleep with the other three big kids hmm. and was like, I'm I, she's still nursing. She's still nursing. She's two and a half. She still nurses, but she was wanting to be with the big kids. So her transition out of the family bed into the bed with the big kids was much earlier because there were three other kids in this, they have they have two triple bunks in their fun bunk room. And she wanted her own bunk at 18 months old, wanted to be with the siblings. So I think it's different based on child. It's different based on child's personality. It's different based on where they are in the lineup. And where they are in <laughs> the house. Kids. Where they are in the house.
1: Right. Cause I, think I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Cause I think, cause we sometimes look, lately, Leo's like, I want to sleep in my own bed. And then we put her down. That's what we always did. We started her at night. We'd, I'd side or nurse her to sleep and then roll away. And then halfway through the mm-hmm. night, she'd come into our bed. Fine. Um, lately, now that I've got two and they're sharing a room like sometimes Esme sleeping in there and then i just put Ali a of bed in our bed or they're both awake and ready to go to bed at the same time and i put one under each arm and that's honestly the fastest we fall asleep when we're all oh yeah just oh yeah yeah it's wild but do you it's so wild when the kids are are they all in the same bed or they're in, like are kids okay sleeping with the 2 year old no oh, yeah Hmm. They sometimes fall off the bed.
0: So I, (laughs) this is the other pitch I would say, I, I, I'm not a big fan of cribs. I'm not a big fan of restricted spaces for children where they feel like they cannot get out. Um, and so I'm a huge fan of like mattresses on the floor. Like when you have got like a twin mattress on the floor, a queen mattress on the floor, whatever, a crib mattress next to a twin mattress. And you got your three-year-old and you got your one-year-old mattresses on the floor where kids can come and go I think lowers that level of anxiety. Like if a child wakes up in the middle of the night and they cannot get to their protector, they cannot Mm -hmm. get to their mom and they have to yell and call and scream and cry, that level of anxiety and the level of like sleep is not safe just increases so much. So we always had our kids in sleep situations where they could, as soon as they were crawling, get out. And I mean, that was true of napping. Like I nap my little one on the lower bunk because she can get out of that bed by herself. So I'll nap her there. And then when she's ready to wake up from her nap, she wakes up and she comes. And she has autonomy over go- the going and coming of her sleep space, which I think is really important.
1: Totally. Oh, I had such, a- oh, what would you say to someone who has a two-year-old? Hi, hi. Bring, bring Julia here. Sorry, my oh, daughter's crying. That's okay. Can what you bring you- the baby here? What would you say to somebody who's listening and is like, I've got a two-year-old who's refusing sleep. I would love to go sleep, but we never did it. She was a Nikki baby. We couldn't have her in bed. She got used to her crib, blah, 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 blah. Is it too late to bring her in bed to go sleep? Not at all. You can totally. Where she stuck?
0: She's just sitting on the chair. You were just stuck on the chair in the playroom calling for help. <laughs> um, she's getting really good at climbing up, but not down um so yeah no it's not too late um I actually speaking of my best friend she sleep trained her first uh which works for some babies if it's their temperament and it worked for her She's so like oh, it was super easy my baby just slept in the crib and whatever but she learned a lot by the time she had her second and she was like oh we're not doing that I'm co-sleeping we're a co-sleeping family I don't want to have my baby away from me and then she's sleeping with her newborn and is feeling like we're all here and our two-year-old's oh. in the other room like she's by herself and we're all snuggled cozy in bed having these sweet moments in the morning and they decided like we're I think she was closer to 20 months maybe she was under two we're gonna bring her to bed with us and they just oh. they brought her yeah. to bed and guess what she loved it yeah she, who doesn't want to be snuggled with mom right. and dad yeah and cozy and once again like thinking outside the box of that might not mean the two-year-olds in your bed, but maybe that means you put their mattress next to yours Yeah, and you can reach over and, or it's sidecar the crib. People don't even realize this is a thing. Take your crib, take one side off, buddy it up to your bed so that it's even. And then you have a sleep space for your whatever age child and it's, you know, buddied up to your, your bed. And then of course there's always a conversation. like, well, but we have this like beautiful headboard that was you know hundreds of dollars and like I feel bad if I'm not using my bed set or like our our bedroom's so pretty like no, no no this is the season yeah. You have a tiny amount of time to pour into your child and connect with them and get really good sleep associations going. You've like it's okay to have your mattress on the floor for a couple of years. Like it doesn't yeah. mean that you are a lesser human right. <laughs> or you know there's something wrong. Like yeah. this is a season and you're doing what's best for your family. It might look
1: different. Totally, and that's kind of what I feel like is, as we've said, there's so many different ways to do this, and there's so many right ways to do that and that's fine based on your family's needs and whatever this conversation is mostly for people who were interested in it who happened to do it but not really sure how to do it safe and just to like give people the confidence because I feel like sometimes that I can't sleep with my baby in bed is out of fear that all of these things are going to happen and so for me just talking to you it was so helpful to be like okay, I'm not going to roll off the bed. I'm not going to roll on my baby. Don't drink. Don't take any sleep aids. Don't have anyone smoking. And we got to go, but briefly on the crawling, what I -hmm. would do. And I don't know, you probably told me this, but I have like a memory foam pillow, which is just a little bit heavier and a little bit beastier, I guess. And I put that, it goes memory foam pillow, my baby, me, my toddler, And then Seth, when he's in the bed and when he's not, it's just the toddler on the edge of the bed and she never (laughs) rolls off. And so, but that, but the other thing that I didn't realize is that baby doesn't want to just crawl away from you, your milk, your warmth, your comfort. So I was always like, well, what am I going to do if I just wake up and she's crawling off the bed? Whenever she woke up, she wasn't wide awake. She would kind of squawk. I would wake up with her and she would usually try and go for the boob. And I, and I was like, oh, there's not that much. That's gonna happen if they start when they start crawling, right? What would you say? I think
0: well, I do think I will say with my with my oldest when she started crawling is when we took our mattress to the floor because I wanted the lower anxiety of like if she falls off the bed, it's a foot, and and she can come and go as she pleases. When I nursed her to sleep for a nap, I roll off this bed on the floor and she I'm not worried at all about her. And we kept it that way until literally just a year ago. Uh, we decided we got a frame, whatever. Yeah. It was a whole thing. But for like nine years, we had our bed on the floor and it was because that was less anxiety for me. Now I will yeah. be completely honest. She has fallen off our high bed twice. Oof. And the first time she did, um, what she's fine. Right. That's the other thing we have right. to remind ourselves, is like babies are excessively durable. So yeah. she was fine. What I think happened is she had turned herself that she was older. She was, I don't know, probably at least six months old. And she had turned herself and her feet were against me. And she did this like thrust with her feet and oh, it tipped her head off uh, the edge. And she just yeah. off, screaming, crying. Oh, 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 yeah. So what my solution is, and I'm actually, I'm like, I got to make a reel about this because I think it's a good solution. So my, what my solution has been, and she's only fallen off one other time. And I feel like it worked. So I'm like happy with myself is I took a crib mattress and I slide it under our bed. So at night, when I'm climbing to bed, I slide the crib mattress out and I take the fluffy pillows from our bed and I just put them like on the crib mattress on the, you know,
1: totally. whatever, kind pad. of on the edges
0: of it, crash pad. And she's fallen off once and it was like this little, yeah, I just picked, she didn't even really wake up, but I just picked her back up. And I think she's getting now at one. Um, she'll like, wake up. If I nap her there, she'll wake up and she'll come kind of sit at the edge and call for me. Like she knows, like, I I can't navigate this, but I'm also teaching her to roll to her belly and slide off. Every time I get her, I put her on her belly and I slide her off till her feet hit the floor. So in no time at all, she'll know how to get off the bed on her own,
1: but I just have a little crash pad for her. That's exactly. And the other thing you can, a camping mattress on my floor, Mm -hmm. same reason. Easy. Well, and with the other thing
0: you're talking about the pillow, the other like little hack that I feel like moms don't even realize you could do is like, you know, those pool noodles. like mm-hmm. the, if you put them under your fitted sheet, it gives just this little like before the edge of the bed. And sometimes, especially with a little one, that can be just enough that you feel like, ah, they're not likely to get themselves like this with their head off right. the edge and fall because we got this little pool noodle that's under the fitted sheet that causes a little bit of a, yeah. Ramp.
1: I was always afraid they so. would, that was just an extra couple inches. They were going to fall like they're going to crawl mm-hmm. up and over and then up fall and over. Yeah. Well, and
0: as they get older and bigger potentially when they're little, I guess that's what I thought. It's like when they're totally.
1: when they're little
0: and they're an you know, not super mobile, mm-hmm, it's an edge. It's a yeah. little bit of a barrier where you just throw your mattress on the floor. I think that's just been the best and easiest, lowest stress
1: yeah, it is low stress because you do kind of stress out when they're in the bed and you're like, and you leave for a nap or something because that's yeah. their beds. I've got both of their twin mattresses on the floor in the room that they they share. It's just a room mm-hmm. with two mattresses, honestly, because they yeah. sleep there for naps. But that's exactly it. They're they're just on the floor. So as he doesn't have a crib because honestly, it's easier to side nurse her to sleep and then she falls asleep and then I roll away and then she wakes up when she wakes up.
0: Right. Baby? Well, and that's the thing too. That's the thing is the sideline and rolling away. Like if you can, I I mean, don't even invest in a crib mattress, get a twin, get a double something that your kid actually could use till they're a teenager. Like why not? You know? Mm -hmm. And then yes, you're comfortable. You're laying there, you're nursing. And then if you have a night where your two-year-old who's nursing is sick and they're really needy, Mm -hmm. you just sleep on the twin with them. Or not even
1: nursing. We have a two-year-old that's not nursing anymore. And we for sure sleep with her in her bed when she's not feeling well.
0: And Great. it's a good, and it's I think so much that was
1: easier. Be, totally. I agree. <laughs> okay. Amazing. I feel like we hit all of okay. the like mind blowers that you gave me when I was going I through so. all of this. And I'm so stoked that we get to give all this information to everyone else now. Yeah. So if me you want to, yes. Thank you. Always. If Natalie, I always like to say. So it's standing so tall with an underscore yes. between each word. And you also yeah. do a zoom call with people yes. for breastfeeding.
0: Yes. So every week um, you can follow me on the social media and then in my bio, you'll see community care Chest. That's my breastfeeding support group. Um, there's not a ton that's posted on there, but every week I post about our zoom call and it's a free oh. zoom call that happens every week. You just tune in. Some moms just listen to it. Like it's a podcast. They keep their camera off. They don't ever ask questions or talk. They just listen. Um, but if you ever have breastfeeding questions, sleep questions, anything related to breastfeeding parenting um, little ones, you can always tune in and ask. And um, I've, friend and I are there to answer your questions and support you and encourage you. And um, you can always reach out to me personally
1: through social media as well. It's amazing. I've sent so many people there and I've actually had a few people recently be like, I'm part of the support group, but it's just been the best thing ever. And it's, it's so nice to have that support, especially free. Like I can't, you're just yeah. an angel. It's the best. It's fun. I love helping women. It's my passion. So Thank I'm you. glad to do it amazing. Thank you. I will talk to you on the socials soon.
0: Yes. (laughs) Bye. Bye.
1: All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share with somebody you think would love. And I would be so honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment and rating below so I can know what you guys are digging, what you want more of, just connect with you a little better. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.